before the internet, every medium was coexistent. TV was not really killing radio, and radio was not really killing print. True. Internet is the first one who's kind of sucking and aching like a gateway all the <laughs> other media. And the question is why? What does the internet has that all the other mediums don't have? And in my eyes, it's interactivity. It's what we do right now. We're talking with each other instead of talking at somebody. We stand today. The business method with a shadow. The business method. The business method podcast. The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their online and location-independent business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There's a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses, and we are getting behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build businesses like this. On top of that, we also gather entrepreneurs at events and retreats around the world. This October, we are having our annual event in Thailand, Get Shit Done Live. It's 10 days of high-performance productivity, targeted collaboration, and rapid execution designed for entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done in a little amount of time. Some say it's like 10 months of work in 10 days. There's a magic that happens when brilliant minds come together to push one another towards productive execution. That is exactly what this retreat is about. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That is thebusinessmethod.com. Now, let's jump in today's show. The Business Method. Hello, my fellow entrepreneurs and soon-to-be entrepreneurs. In today's conversation, I am joined by Europe's most followed social media coach, Alex Kahn. Alex is quite an impressive entrepreneur, starting off working with four different startups, helping them become successful. One business, TrendU, they accumulated millions of mobile app views per month and 150,000 members using the same technology that the number one dating app in the world, Tinder, uses. Alex started his first business, Monolome, which became Germany's largest professional model community and received more than 100,000 applications. Alex recently introduced the hashtag WeCon, spelled hashtag W-E-K-A-H-N, that registered over 100 million impressions and touched 13 million people in just nine weeks. Today, Alex and I talk about how he built these companies, how he got 200,000 followers on Periscope, and the social media strategies he uses to become one of Europe's top influencers. Towards the end of the show, Alex and I chat deeper about the importance of taking digital detoxes, the future of social media, the power and influence that Facebook has, and how the new digital age is taking over paradigms of the past. You guys, it's an incredible episode, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Without further ado, let's welcome Alex Khan to the show. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. And I want to welcome Alex Khan to the show. Alex, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to have you on the show and you're calling in from Munich today, right? That's true. And is it is it as hot there as it is in Tuscany at the moment? It definitely is. <laughs> you know, it's that August heat, but you know, it's, it makes the cooler times that much better, I guess. <laughs> are you true. are you based in Munich year round? Yes. 
Uh, and is that, do you choose Munich because that's your, your home from birth or why do you choose it to still be your home base? No, it's actually, I moved here a couple of years ago and I moved back like two years ago. Um, just because like most of my friends are here, my mom is living here so I can be close to my friends and family. And besides that, if you, if you take a look at Munich, it's a beautiful place to be there. You you can go in the wintertime to go to Austria or Switzerland. You can drive down to Italy and France. So it offers you a lot. How is the tech and entrepreneurial scene in Munich? It's growing. It's not as much developed as it is in Berlin, but it's growing pretty quickly. And um, it's interesting to see like how people are behaving here in a in a way that yeah i mean you know people from switzerland and austria moving to munich as this is the closest part for them it's interesting to see and being a part in this so do you have um is there a decent entrepreneurial social network that you stay connected to because i know when i travel to different cities i like to plug into those entrepreneurial groups i'm wondering how if if you have a good network there or do you keep your social networks uh social networks um connected when you travel when it comes down to startups and the entrepreneurs most of my friends are living in berlin they move there or in the states of course as i live two years in los angeles i have a lot of entrepreneurial friends in san francisco bay area you know yeah all right, my friend. Well, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. And I was reading over your bio, and I was I was blown away by how many businesses you've you've been involved in and started, and the statistics. And then um, rumor has it that you're one of Europe's or Europe's most followed social media coach. Is that right? Well, probably. At least I don't know anybody who has more followers than me in that <laughs> field. Um, would love to meet that person if there is one. Um, yeah, I mean. I, I pretty much was at the right time at the right moment, I guess. So the right location. Yeah. So what were some, before we dive into your background, what were some keys to recognizing the opportunity when you were in the right time in the right moment? Well, you see when you are at the right time at the right moment, but um, I guess I try to I try new things um pretty daily basis i see what's happening with the social media space and um, i started very early with social media back in 2005 with one of the first social networks back at that time we didn't know what social media is and i just stick with it constantly that's probably one of the key of success to be consistent with what you do and be passionate about it so we, we want to get to know you, Alex. Uh, we want to learn more about what you have going on and your past. Like I'm blown away on how many uh, companies you've been either worked with or started and the, and, uh, the um, results that you've got from that. So uh, tell us a bit on how you became the entrepreneur that you are today. Well, as, as I believe everyone has a story worth sharing, uh, I guess my story is Back in the days when I was six or seven and my dad was an entrepreneur and he came to me and said, like, well, listen, sit down and I have to talk to you. And he came up with that kind of cheesy story, which actually changed my life when he said, like, well, listen, when you came to this place, everyone was smiling and you were the one to cry. So live your life. That when you leave that place again, everyone is kind of worrying and you're the one that's smiling. I turned up to him and said, like, so how do I do that? And he said, like, well, listen 
just make people happy. And actually, my first business was based on that little talk with my dad. It was actually a, it was called Funniest DE. It was a fun page when I was 16 years old. So I was selling fun CDs based on that little thing to make people happy about it. And that was the first time when I encountered the internet. And understood that people actually shop and open emails and how a website does work. And besides school, that was a very interesting time in the late 90s, so really like the early beginning. And I know you've been, you've worked for um, uh, some amazing companies, uh, actually right out of college and then started some of your own amazing companies. Uh, the first one I want to ask you about, your first startup. Um, and I, I'm going to butcher the name. Forgive me because my German is horrible. Modelomi? Mm -hmm. Is that how you say yeah, it? Yeah. It, it actually, the first one was Attractive People. Okay. It was one of the first social networks we had here in Germany. Um, it was one year after Facebook started in the U.S., I was building that. It was a social network where we doing where we're doing like events all over Germany. And um, we were growing and then Facebook came to Germany and kind of <laughs> killed all social networks here in Germany. <laughs> we had a couple of big ones. We were one of the medium average sized ones. And then I changed it. So it was a pivot from B to C to B to B. So Model Ohm was a social network for models and photographers and makeup artists. So for the modeling slash fashion industry, where we were a lot working with agencies and, and, and trying to bring models and connect models with, with these agencies and get a commission based on how much they earned. And that was kind of the first social network where we really like made money out of it. And you mentioned in your bio, I think you, you gained a strong insight into the psychology of communities from these experiences and the way that the members behave. Can you share more on, on um, you know, the psychology behind those communities and why they behave the way they do? Sure. So basically, every human being is looking for communication. So one basic trigger is when there is something new, we want to know like, What's happening? Did we miss something important? And um, one of the basic triggers is what I learned is people come for content, but they stay for community. So when you're able to build a community of relevant people around you, people stay, people engage, people um, try to build that bond, that trust that or we call like in, in the US, it's like KLT, right? The people get to know, like, and trust you. And once you form that situation where people believe in, this is where the magic is happening and people stay with you and you surround yourself with the right people and um, you grow this. Yeah, and I've noticed, I actually heard this statistic, Alex, that the majority of people join gyms. Um, their excuse is to get in shape. But the, the number one reason they actually do it is to connect with other people. And 100%. Yeah. And I think a lot of things that us humans do is to connect with people and we don't even realize it. And if we can learn how to break through those barriers of connecting with people, it makes our the fulfillment and joy and happiness in our life just kind of increases and goes through the roof. Um, you, you personally, Alex, I'd like to ask, like, what are some things that you've done in your life uh, that uh, that have been maybe benchmark moments where you have changed the way you interact with your social communities that, that makes your life better? Well, one of the things I learned is it doesn't really matter if it's B2B or B2C. 
we are all in the people business means we always deal with people. And if you help people to reach what they want, you will finally reach what you want. So it's all about adding value and um, understanding the basic needs of your audience and try to give it to them on a consistent basis. And what I learned is over the time you will fulfill your goals. It's really that that mix of patience and value and over time you will build your community, you will build your trust. If you if you read the bio, the whole hashtag thing, and we probably maybe talk talk about a little bit later about um, it's 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 all that sense. Once people really understand that you come from a point of good, and you want to good do good stuff and help them, they engage with you, and you surround yourself and build yourself a great community of people who believe what you believe, and that's where the revenue comes from at some point. And I see like one of the biggest mistakes on the other hand is that people try to monetize too early before building that bond of trust. Where's the, the, the good balance with that, Alex, do you think? When is it time? When would you say if somebody's building trust, building trust, building trust, how do they know it's time to monetize that? That's a great question. It definitely depends on what you try to achieve and which industry you're in. But I mean... Social media, the great thing, I mean, what I always find fascinating is that actually every couple of years, a new technology emerges, starting with print and then it came radio and then TV and now it's the internet. But internet is the first one. Before the internet, every medium was coexistent. TV was not really killing radio and radio wasn't really killing print. True. Internet is the first one who's kind of sucking and aching like a gateway all the <laughs> other media. And the question is why? What does the internet has that all the other mediums don't have? And in my eyes, it's interactivity. It's what we do right now. We're talking with each other instead of talking at somebody. So when you ask me when is the right moment, probably it's it's really finding out and talking with people and just asking them, well, listen, are you interested in this product? Would you pay for that product? And you see how people engage. And if already thinking in theory that people are not interested in buying from you, then it's probably not the right moment. I mean, I, I, I remember I, when I think back at the time when I came up with my first digital product, which was based on my personal brand, so not on a company, was back in 2016. I started with Periscope, the first live streaming service before Facebook Live and before Instagram Live. And for one year, exactly one year, I was delivering content on a daily basis. So after my job at, at TradeCal, where I was building the candle company, after this, I was going live for every single day for one year, just adding value to people and build my profile from zero, nobody knew me in the US, up to almost, well, 200, 250,000 followers. And then at some point I started with the hashtag and then I said, well, listen, I'm gonna try something. I'm gonna open up a masterclass. I'm just letting 50 people in and let's see what's going to happen. I didn't know if people were gonna pay. I mean, they never paid for anything because I had no product so far. <laughs> just came up with this product and within, well, almost two hours, it was sold out. Wow. So I said, okay, maybe that's just a coincidence. So two months later, I opened it up again. And within four hours, it was sold out again. 
Wow. So I opened this up for four times so far till November 2016. So April 2016 was the first time. And I opened it up four times. And I never opened it up again because I started to work in, in different directions. But I still have these students, which is amazing. They still pay a monthly retainer. I believe like I have a churn rate from maybe 10%. So it's quite low for two years. Every week they are coming and paying for, well, their, their monthly retainer. Um, which is which is interesting to see. So there is no right moment. I believe like it's more pattern recognition. So you see when people are really close to you and they really believe in you, but it's it's really based on the value. I ask them, right? I ask them, so what's the reason why you bought my product in the first place? And the number one reason by far was because you helped me before. I know that the things you were talking about helped me. And they buy and I want to give that. back, I want to learn more, and I want to be closer to you. And they buy into that. So yeah. the main reason is, when is so the question should be, when is the moment that you really helped your audience? And that's the moment where you can come up with a product and you can come up with something where they pay into it. I love that. I want to go back a little bit to your second startup that you were part of, TrendU, which is a mobile fashion marketplace uh, focused ex exclusively on women. And you yep. guys you guys got 150,000 members and millions of uh, monthly mobile page views, which is quite amazing. Um, what do you think was the spark or the secret that made that company so successful? It's a couple of things, but the number one, if you if you would ask me to mention and pointing out one thing, it was the usability change from a feed to this Tinderish algorithm thing. Means we were not we were understanding that people are only scrolling down. They were usually you're not scrolling up again. If you saw something, it's over. And the moment we changed from a feed to this Tinder yes and no technology right you were just swiping through clothes and saying yes i like this or yes or no i don't like it the the average time spent quadrupled and probably the 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 mobile views i don't know like 10x Mm -hmm. within the first month when we introduced this, which is quite interesting. This this whole Tinder, the simplicity of just yes or no, really changed the game for us back from a feed. That was probably the, the number one thing when it comes down to the, to the page views. And when it comes down to growth for this, for TrendU, it was definitely, I mean, it was, we, we have to contextualize the time when we were doing this. It was 2012. It was influencer marketing. Back at that time, influencer marketing was working so good. We were talking, we were working with a couple of influencers in the fashion space on Instagram and Facebook. And they were, they were putting out our links to download deep links to, to download the app. And and that worked wonders for us. It was not the Facebook ad product. It was really influencer marketing, which now would be a totally different game, if you would ask me. What's the difference between influencer marketing in 2012 and those days compared to now? In my eyes, there are a couple of differences. Number one is that right now, in my eyes, influencer marketing is overpriced. The big ones means the ones who have like more than a million followers. They're overpriced. They're not that many. And there are a lot of brands. 
So there's a high demand in these influencers, and that's why they set up their price. And it's sometimes even ridiculous how much they charge for a post. And second, they post every day something else. So the loyalty with a brand is quite low. It was totally different like five years ago. And second, I see a shift to micro-influencers, mean those up to 10,000 followers, maybe even up to 100,000 followers. They have a more authentic network. They try harder. They are much cheaper when it comes down to price. So I see like a big shift in, in these micro-influencers. And on top of it, another big shift is opportunity. So the Facebook ads product, and when I say Facebook, I always mean, of course, also the Instagram ads product became so developed with the Facebook pixel and all the possibilities you have to target and retarget people that I don't see any cheaper CPM than understanding the Facebook and Instagram ads product right now. So that's another thing which makes it hard to split between influencer marketing and the usual paid performance marketing you do on Facebook and Instagram. Now, I was checking out your website earlier and um, in your blog, and I think you categorize this really well. You have um, blog posts about Facebook, about Instagram, Periscope, Snapchat, Twitter, and the different strategies you used on each platform, Yeah, um, which is genius. I really like that. Thank you for Thank that because it, it, it makes it so simple when understanding, okay, here's what he's talking about in this. Um, I want to ask you first. You you did really amazing on Periscope in the first year, getting uh, four hundred thousand followers. Is that right? Uh, on Periscope, it's around like two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. Yeah. And um, you gave value and gave value and gave value. Seeing yeah. that platform where it is today. Well, first off, I'd like to ask you, where do you think both Snapchat and Periscope are going? Because I know Instagram is kind of over over not overrunning, but well, kind of taking over. And dominating Snapchat in many ways. In many ways, so I'm curious about your thoughts on the future of Periscope and Snapchat. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's so interesting, and it's it's such a hard question to me because my heart really goes to Periscope. I mean, my success when it comes down to be a personal brand is really based on Periscope. I mean, that was my network. I was called like a Periscope star. I was <laughs> invited by Periscope. I met the team. I met. I was at a Twitter head office in San Francisco and. So I have I have no strong emotional connection to Instagram and Facebook, but as you stated, it clearly took over. Instagram by carbon copying the core features of Periscope and Snapchat became and, and executing it very well became the number one platform. So if you ask me where it's going to head, I mean Snapchat seriously has Deep, deep problems. I believe Periscope is still the best technology when it comes down to live streaming, but the whole Twitter environment must evolve. I mean, something needs to happen that they will be relevant in a couple of years from now and not Facebook and YouTube taking over. So I, I would love to say it's, it's the platform and it's going to succeed, but I'm not sure about it. But it's really hard. I'm not a fortune teller, so... It's really hard to see where it's going to go, but I believe of all the platforms you have right now, if you focus on Instagram and Facebook or the Facebook environment, you're or if you don't focus on it, you're disproportionately less likely to win. So you need to focus on these first, and then you could think of the others. 
no matter which industry you're in. Maybe if you if you strong B2B, LinkedIn might be an opportunity to look at. But I believe like the number one platform right now on all the industries is, is Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, for sure. Now, you told us about the strategies you were using in Periscope to get become successful and grow your following. Um, I'm curious, what was your strategies on Snapchat? Well, Snapchat, I, I used I used my other platforms. I mean, you mentioned the 400,000 followers, which are like all the platforms together, like also Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I cross-promoted it heavily on Snapchat. So, for example, I started a live stream on Periscope and I was doing some animations and said like, well, listen, if you take a screenshot in the next 10 seconds and add me on Snapchat, you get PDF X or you get like this goodie Y and you get access to my masterclass and so on. Or I was starting a live video on Facebook and said like, hey, if you add me in the next five minutes on Snapchat, this is going to happen. And there's another thing I, I did, which worked pretty fine. I don't know if it w- still works. I've never done this again, but it was a huge success. So <laughs> I actually never shared that before um, besides in my masterclass. So what I did is, and probably this is still working because Facebook didn't didn't evolve on this kind of thing. So you pay on Facebook for ads based on the engagement. Means if people like, if people comment, if people click on your ad, you pay, right? But you don't pay when people take a screenshot. So what I was doing around like two years ago, is I was running an ad with my QR code on Snapchat, and I was basically retargeting people who were on my blog, and I was asking them not to click, not to like, but just taking a screenshot and adding me on Snapchat. And I probably paid like, I don't know, five cents, eight cents, something per follower Mm -hmm. on Snapchat. I built thousands of followers on Snapchat just by that ad because people were taking a screenshot as I asked them to and they were adding me on Snapchat. And I didn't pay a thing to Facebook. I paid a little bit because some people were still clicking. So maybe someone want to try that out. That worked really well for me on Snapchat. Totally forgot about it. That's clever. All right, listeners, we're going to wrap up the first half of Alex's interview there. The second half of the interview will be published as the next episode, and we will dive deep into the future of social media and how the new digital age is taking over paradigms and systems of the past. We'll see you soon. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our annual Get Shit Done live retreat in Thailand. Both are designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done rapidly, and whether you need some personal coaching while working away at home or a retreat in Thailand where you can get out of your normal routine and surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs, we have those options for you. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.